It's that time, the sports talker. Here's TJ Walker. Hello, everybody. Welcome to a Wednesday hump day edition of the sports soccer here on 1450 The Sports Buzz. Beautiful day. <clears throat> Cleared up from the ugliness of yesterday. Not a cloud in the sky. A little cool, though, but it's it's fall. You can't really ask for much better weather. It should be a, a, a fun show today. I'm going to give out my PT picks of the week today just because won't be there Friday and, and don't know how hectic the show may be tomorrow with such a big sports day in Louisville. So I'll give out those. Missouri and why Missouri is such a strange team this season. Uh, we're going to talk NBA. The season opened up last night. Anthony Davis just looks unbelievable. Uh, I, I, we had Brett Dawson on yesterday, and he basically said that there's not a great chance Anthony Davis is going to win MVP. Uh, New Orleans would have to make the playoffs. I don't disagree with that, but I'm thinking New Orleans is going to have a good chance not only to make the playoffs, I also think that Anthony Davis uh, is going to have a solid chance to win MVP. And maybe I'm overreacting a little bit over one game, but a near triple-double, a block away, it just doesn't really happen in the NBA with blocks anymore. Uh, it's rare, but he almost did it. I, I just I, I can't say enough good things about Anthony Davis. Uh, on the flip side, sad news about Julius Randle breaking his leg in his first ever NBA game. I mean, you can't even imagine the emotional roller coaster him and his mom had to be on last night to be able to see her son finally play in the NBA and Julius Randle for his dreams to finally come true and play in the NBA wearing a Lakers jersey in the Staples Center. Getting to play some valuable minutes there in the first quarter and then the way things go, ends up injured. Now, obviously, he's going to miss a, a very long amount, uh, extended amount of time. Uh, so you, 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 you feel for him, whether you're a Kentucky Louisville fan or just a fan of basketball. And and me being somebody that's interviewed him, he was always a, a good quote. You know, not the he, – he didn't love talking to media like some of the other guys does, but he certainly didn't hate it either. Uh, and, and he would be pretty realistic with you. He wouldn't give you the same player speak, uh, which is the same thing as coach speak. Um, so speedy recovery – for Julius Randle, hope everything goes well with him. Uh, but we we've got plenty to talk about today, and and it it really feels like, and, and maybe it is with the Louisville game uh, tomorrow. It's just something to watch on TV. It, it really does feel like the week is winding down. That it's midweek, and, and it almost feels like today is a Friday. And that's kind of the vibe I get. So I'm obviously pretty excited. As always, tweeter texting the show. At T Walker Rivals, would love to hear from you. Yates, how are you today? Did you hear me there? I did not hear you, but I heard you this then. I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing well too. I thought you I thought you might not be there for a little bit, so it wasn't doing well. But uh, what what have you been up to today, Yates? Um, not too much so far. Uh, catching up on what's going on today. That's about it. Anything jump out at you? Uh, the the Julius Randle news obviously is is pretty sad for him. Uh, as a Louisville fan, I don't wish anybody 
to have something like that happen to him, especially now that he's not at Kentucky. Not that I would want that to happen when he was at Kentucky, but it's, it's, that's tough for a kid like that to, in his first NBA game, have an injury like that occur. Hopefully it's something he can come back with enough time to, to play some this season. Yeah, and you also wonder with how, you know, it looks like it's going to be a long year for the Lakers. And uh, I guess there are people out there that probably dislike Kobe Bryant. I, I don't, you know, I don't really dislike any really, really good basketball players just because they're good at what what they do. It's fun to watch. So I, in return, like to watch them. Uh, so I like to watch Kobe Bryant, but it, it, you, it looks like it's going to be a long year for the Lakers after, and again, just after one game. But at that point, it's probably just, why don't you just hold on to Julius Randle and not and make sure he's healthy for the start of next year? Which again is just it it stinks to have to say that after one game, but that that might be where they're at. And you play for a better draft pick and um, maybe start prepping for life without Kobe if they're not already doing that. But uh, that 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 hurts. But not a you know pretty good night from other cats out there. Again, mentioned Anthony Davis and. How great he played. Terrence Jones notched a double-double last night. 16 points, 13 rebounds. Uh, that's more than a solid game for him going against Julius Randle in that blowout win in Los Angeles. Uh, Brett Dawson had said that was going to be his surprise UK guy this year, and it looks like he's off to a good start. And then again, like I mentioned, Anthony Davis off to a great start. 26 points, 17 rebounds, 9 blocks, 3 steals, 2 assists. And only doing doing all that with only one foul, um, I think is an underrated part of that insane game that he had. Uh, they beat the Magic 101-84. to The Magic team's one that kind of stands out to me. They've got a lot of interesting young guys. Uh, Tobias Harris, who was great at Tennessee, Alfred Payton, who was a guy that Brett said could be the surprise rookie of the year. Not a great game for him, four and seven. Aaron Gordon, who was a superstar at Arizona, but kind of gotten, you didn't hear too much about him. Maybe it's just uh, living east of the Mississippi. You don't hear a lot about guys out west. Uh, he finished with 11 points, three rebounds. But they've got, they've got some young pieces. Uh, Victor Oladipo did not play. But I, I, you know, they got rid of Deron Lamb too. They've got a lot of young pieces. They're going to have a, a tough year, but I'm, I'm curious to see how things go for the Magic this year. Uh, we had the NBA NBA preview yesterday, and we spent the first ten minutes of the Today Show talking the NBA. A lot of exciting stuff out there, and it doesn't doesn't stop just last night. Uh, more games tonight, and, and going forward. Also, World Series Game Seven. Yates, have you been keeping up with the World Series? I have, yes. Uh, that's uh, really not a ton of great, well, at least last night, uh, not a very exciting game to watch. Um, you know, you had a lot of buildup. You had a chance for the Giants to win, to win it all, and it comes out a blowout early and, and really no one incentive for me at least to watch after that not a ton of exciting games in this world series obviously game three with the royals winning in san francisco was exciting Uh, that was a tough game for them to be able to close out but besides that 
for it being a fun World Series and a lot going on, great environments. You've got the Kansas City storyline. Not a lot of close games. You think we get one tonight in Game 7? Um, I'll say yes, but that's really just because I hope that we do. Because, I mean, World Series Game 7, there haven't been very many of these uh, in recent years. So, yeah, hopefully it's a, an exciting game. You know, I mean, in a, in a World Series Game 7, they're going to pretty much pull out all the stops. They're, they're going to, you know, put starting pitchers out there in relief and do whatever they can to win. So it, it should be a fun game to watch. That was going to be my question is, is when do we see Madison Bumgarner tonight and, and how long does he pitch? He's kind of been the, the, the player of the postseason, I, I would say without a doubt. And especially for San Francisco, it always seems like you get some, some pitcher that maybe not a ton of people knew about going in, or maybe not the average fan knew about going in, but obviously he's a household name now and, and we'll be heading into next season. I guess last year might've been Waka for, St. Louis, but what do you? How, when do you see him tonight, and how long do you think he goes for? Um, I mean, it, I think when we see him, probably it depends a lot on how how the Giants are doing. I think if they're if they're winning, you might not see him at all. Uh, if it's a tight game or they're they're losing, I mean that that's probably when you have your best chance to see him. I, I would think he probably would go a couple innings. I mean, he's he's a starting pitcher, so he's he's used to going several innings. But he also just pitched what two day, two games ago. So yeah, he, he but, pitched on Sunday. So I mean, but you you don't have to worry about in the short term, you know, wearing his arm out too much because there aren't any more games to be played. I'll I'll put the if you put the over under at the sixth inning. When we saw him, I would probably take the over and say it'd probably be sometime around the the seventh or eighth inning. Here's why I don't envy being a manager because you got Tim Hudson out there, and Tim Hudson didn't have a um, you know didn't have a great showing in Game Three. And, you know, did okay, I suppose, and didn't get the didn't get the offense that you would hope to see the home team get in a World Series game, but did okay, I guess. Uh, didn't get the win, obviously. Here's why I don't uh, – this is why it would stink to be a manager in this position is because either you keep Hudson in until he messes up and then you know, likely Kansas City's going to take advantage of that and then you might put Bumgarner in, but is it too late at that point? You know, you'll have to see, or you, you. It's tough. It's it's a delicate situation. Do you, uh, you know, ideally San Francisco if they strike first, so then you can, you can keep Hudson in until he starts to show some signs of, uh, and the Royals start to get to him. Then you can put Bumgarner in and maybe still hold on to that lead, but. You know, assuming the Giants don't jump out to a, a three or four run lead right off the get go, it's a it's a real you're really rolling the dice every inning. You keep him in longer and don't play Bumgarner, or he you know he's pitching a good game. You're feeling good. Bumgarner tells you he's feeling good, so then you make the switch while the defense is holding, and then it turns out Bumgarner's arm isn't fully recovered. It's not a hundred percent healed. 
Uh, he he's tired, and the Royals get to him, and then you just wasted a solid game from Tim Hudson. I mean, there's so many ifs and ands and buts and variables that go into this. Uh, I'm I'm lucky that I just get to be a fan and and watch it. Um, we'll see, and it it certainly does have the feel that all the pressure is on San Francisco to win this game. And I get and maybe on the flip side you can make a case that all the pressure is on Kansas City. You know, Kansas City's the the team historically that uh, has been terrible uh the past few decades and and doesn't have a rich baseball tradition. Uh, San Francisco they've won, you know, two of the last four World Series. But it feels like everybody, you get the sense that San Francisco is going to have to be the team to come out and swing first or else they're going to get beat and maybe get beat bad because you know that environment's going to carry Kansas City to some extent. We'll just have to see if San Francisco can overcome it. I look forward to to being able to watch some of that game tonight and and seeing that scene and you know, if they if San Francisco wins, that's going to be a fun scene to watch and see all those fans disappointed. And certainly, if Kansas City wins, it's going to be a, a really fun scene to see. Uh, regardless, Clevy one sixteen wants to switch the conversation. He says, "How about we discuss the clear ACC bias in college football playoffs? Uh, four ACC teams and a semi ACC team in the top twenty five. What a joke! Only one ACC team." And Notre Dame, is who he's talking about as a semi-ACC team, deserve to be in the top 25, and they don't even deserve to be in the top 10. Florida State will get exposed by the middle-of-the-road ACC team tomorrow. What a joke. All right, there's a couple things that stand out here. One, Clavey 116 is giving Louisville a compliment, uh, and he does not like Louisville one bit. But saying that, basically kind of predicting, uh, I read that as predicting Florida State wins. Or Louisville beats Florida State, rather. Excuse me. Uh, I, I I take that as Clavey 116 thinking that Louisville's going to get the upset tomorrow. So I, that's interesting. Knowing Clavey 116 and how big of a UK fan he is, that's got to be tough for him to say. Uh, we do need to talk about the college football playoff poll that came out last night. Here's my first thing. And I wasn't watching. I was watching it in the background. I didn't have the sound on. I wasn't really paying attention to it. But I didn't know that they were going to rank 1 through 25, and maybe that makes me a bad sports radio host or a bad media member. I figured that they were going to have a top 10 or uh, maybe a, you know, maybe even just a top 8, or if they even wanted to just do a top 4 or top 5, that would make sense. Yates, I don't understand why they feel the need that they have to rank 25 teams. Can you fill me in on that? Um, any fill-in that I provide will be pure speculation. Uh, I mean, I don't know. I, mean, I guess maybe it's the, the fact that all polls typically consist of 25 teams, the top 25. Uh, I mean, I don't know. It probably doesn't make a whole lot of sense to rank 25 teams because realistically a, a team like Louisville, who's 25th, has zero shot at making it to the top four. But, I mean, I guess – I don't know. I suppose that you could – Potentially have a scenario. It's all. It's still relatively early in the college football season. I mean, it, I mean, we're I don't know a little over halfway through, I guess. So I mean, I guess there's a possibility that at some point you could have a team that was ranked in the lower teens, you know, around twenty, who maybe was undefeated and had four or five games left and finished undefeated and worked their way up the ranking. I mean, that'd be about the only thing I could come up with. 
Yeah, I it, it just it this seems a, like a way for the committee, the college football committee, to bring more scrutiny upon themselves because now we're going to be able to track one through twenty-five where they rank and drop teams, and they could have made it a lot simpler for themselves and just rank the top ten teams, and then after that, because let's say a team like let's point one out here. Let's say a team like LSU, who is 19th in the poll, uh, six and two on the year, seven and two on the year rather, uh, with losses, a blowout loss at Auburn and a close loss to Mississippi State, uh, which wasn't really as close as the score indicated. They're going to get Alabama, Arkansas, and Texas A&M, and and it's not super likely that they will win the West. Uh, a lot has to happen. It's, it's, you know, maybe they could get in a tiebreaker situation, but let's say they win those three games. Other teams take care of business or other teams lose, uh, and, you know, for hypothetical reasons, let's say they do sneak into the West championship game. Again, I don't know if that's theoretically possible. Um, if they were to win out, they would need Mississippi state to lose two more games, presumably. And they'd need Ole Miss, and Auburn to lose uh, another game apiece, but that all would be possible. So let's say somehow with a tiebreaker, they sneak their way into the into the SEC championship game and they win that. They're at 19th right now. Could they work theoretically work their way up to the top four? I don't know. You know, we'd, you'd, you'd have to see the progression, but they're starting out at 19 right now. And I don't, I don't, I don't get why the college football playoff committee did this to themselves because. Um, if they were to beat Alabama this this weekend or next weekend, next weekend, if they were to beat, yeah, that's the CBS game next weekend. If they were to beat Alabama next weekend, how far, how high up do they jump? And then, basically, what they're doing is they're going to be able to judge the quality of each win each week, and they're going to have to do that for 25 teams or judge a loss. So, if let's say they jump up seven spots when they beat Alabama to number 12. Well, how much higher can they go against Arkansas? And obviously, some of that will have to depend on teams above them. But how much it's, they're going to have to put stock in each game that each one of these teams plays and evaluate how important the win is or how important the loss is. And do you do you have big jumps for, let's say, a, a team like LSU beats a team like Arkansas, and let's say a team like Arizona beats a team like California? Do you? Can one team jump the other one for that quality of win? It's going to be complicated, and you know I don't think they 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 did themselves any favors by ranking all twenty five teams. I think all they needed to do was rank ten, maybe, and then if you're on the outside, then you don't really have to worry about it. Clubby one sixteen says Florida State's overrated, and there just seems like there is something special that goes on at Papa John's Cardinal Stadium on Thursday night games. Wow, just tons of compliments. Coming from Clayby one sixteen. That's that's different. That generally uh, doesn't come from him. Um. So I, I I think it's stupid that they ranked all twenty five teams, as I've said, with the four teams that they did rank. I'm okay with. I'm okay. Obviously, Mississippi State should be number one. Uh, Florida State should be number two. Um, I'm all right with Auburn number three. I'm not. You know, I understand Ole Miss being number four. You lose a, a game to LSU by three points. 
a close game, a game that you know you had a good chance to win. I'm okay with them being four. I don't think they're the fourth best team in the country. I think they lose this weekend. I do feel that Notre Dame at, at 10 is a little, maybe a little too far down. I mean, they, they played, you know, they don't have any great wins, I suppose, Stanford. But they should have beaten Florida State at Florida State. I feel that loss is just as good, if not better, of a loss than Ole Miss's to LSU. Of course, Ole Miss does have better wins, so I'm okay with them being ranked ahead of Ole Miss. But I feel that Notre Dame's a little far back. I think Oregon's way too high. You can't lose at home. You can't lose at home and be ranked that high to an Arizona team that's good, not great. They've got Arizona coming at number 12. So you lose to the number 12 team at home, and they consider that one loss better than a lot of other losses that I would certainly deem better. I, that that was the biggest head-scratcher for me was Oregon. Um, Louisville shouldn't be ranked. I, I think most people would probably agree with that. Their two losses are to Clemson, which, uh, again, uh, you know, you know, we can talk about whether or not they should have lost those games. That's a different story, but the fact of the matter is they did. I don't think you could really make a, make a case that they should be ranked, but it doesn't really matter. Like you said, Yates, if you're 25th or 24th, you're not going to be able to climb your way up. And I, I just laid out a potential scenario where LSU could win their next three games, make the SEC championship game, and win that. And I don't even think all that would be enough to get the 19th ranked team into the Final Four. But interesting. So they're going to do this every week. I still don't understand why they do 25 teams. We're going to head to our first commercial break here on 1450 The Sports Buzz. We're going to come back to talk uh, some individual matchups. Kentucky, Missouri, Louisville, Florida State. What I'm looking forward to there. And I need to get my PT picks of the week. So stick around here on 1450 The Sports Buzz. We'll be right back. Listening to the Sports Talker with TJ Walker on 1450 The Sports Buzz. We're back here, second segment, 1450 The Sports Buzz. A, again, beautiful weather day here in Louisville. Need to get to a, two, a few tweets uh, and texts and some funny things that have come into the show. This one. Just something I saw in my timeline during the break. The ACC media days are going on today. Louisville, I think, sent Montrez Harrell and Wayne Blackshear. And obviously Rick Pitino. Uh, so every team sends two players. There was a funny... Um, you could make the punchline. Marcus Page of UNC. It was late to ACC media days because he was had to finish a test in Chapel Hill, and then he was going to make his way to media days. Uh, a lot of jokes could be made there. UNC athlete taking a test. Supposedly Marcus Page is really smart, but 
uh, UNC's kind of done this to themselves. Roy Williams, a quote came out of Media Days on the academic fraud. You can accuse me of being naive, but you can't go any further than that. Nope, I can, and I'm going to. You can be naive all you want. Is that going to be your defense, being naive? I can go, I, I could call you dumb, Roy Williams. I could call you dumb if all this was going on and all that you were was naive. I could call it, say that you're not doing your job as the head coach of a basketball program with all this going on and you're just being naive. And I assume that he means naive in the sense that he didn't follow up on his players' classes and think that they were doing the right thing and actually getting a, a, a real education at UNC, a, a school that takes pride in their academics. He could be naive in thinking that his academic advisors and several people around his program were doing the right thing. But at the end of the day, Roy Williams thought that he was running a, a tight ship and everything was going as planned, and then he's naive because it turns out that it's not true. You're dumb if you think we're going to believe that. The head of a program, anything and everything that happens, you know about, except the biggest academic scandal in the history of college uh, athletics, maybe, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't know this for sure, but it's got to be up there in terms of just academics and, and collegiate academics regardless. And you don't know anything else about it. You didn't know something like this was going on. It just he continues to dig his own grave. Everybody involved in this should be fired regardless. But the fact that he's playing the I didn't know card, I thought everything was going well card, that just makes it look worse. I mean, it really is his only option if he wants to save face, but really it just makes him look worse. That you could be the head coach at a university and twelve percent of your twelve percent of the athletes involved in this scandal where over 1,500 athletes were involved with 12% are basketball players, and you've got 12 or 13 players on scholarship each year, and you didn't, you didn't know about any of it, and you expect us to believe that, and you expect that to be your way out, or you don't get in trouble because you didn't know what was going on. Again, even best case scenario, and you are naive, and you are dumb, you're still getting fired because you you can't you can't be that clueless in a situation like this. That's best case scenario. And I, and I guess you know you, you got to wait for more details to come out, more facts to come out uh, that the report, you know, everything that was stated in the report is actually true. You know, double check, do what you need to do. But even the fact that UNC is still letting him field questions about it, uh, it's just a mess. So that was a tweet that I came across that was interesting to me, and I, I think I saw that a, the ACC commissioner in his opening statement went 17 minutes talking. May have just been trying to uh, dodge some of the dodge some of the UNC questions. He was eventually asked them, anyways. Um, nothing crazy came out that I saw, but maybe. Maybe more did. Yates, you know, if any interesting quotes from Patino or any of the 
Louisville players coming from ACC media today? Um, nothing that I've seen yet. I, I've, I've just been scrolling through the timeline during the breaks. I know Patino was complaining about the NCAA's lack of uh, letting p- families fly to their games and letting the school play pay for it. And that's, you know, if every school can afford that, I'm sure most of them probably can. Then I, I see no problem with be, that that happening. I'm sure the question that was asked to Patino was some reporter looking to get a juicy quote about Patino hating the NCAA. Speaking of the NCAA, Todd Gurley will be suspended for uh, two more games before being eligible for Georgia's game against Auburn. That means he will be out for the Kentucky game. So, you know, whether or not you agree with the NCAA or you think it's right or wrong, that's good news for Kentucky. There's some people debating, some UK fans I saw on Twitter debating if that was actually good news for Kentucky. Of course, that's good news for Kentucky. Todd Gurley's the best running back in the NFL, or in the NCAA, and he's going to be an NFL running back. And he's not going to play against UK, and you're debating whether that's good or bad news? Yeah, Georgia's been fine, and they've had running backs that have been able to carry the load since then. But you want if you're Kentucky, you don't want to face that, and that might make the Kentucky Georgia game that much more winnable for UK. We'll have to wait and see. There's a big game against Missouri this weekend in between that, and Todd Gurley admitted to signing over three thousand dollars worth of autographs, and he arranged some of the signings and did this and did that. I'm a little surprised he's not going to be suspended more. For comparison's sake, and I don't know what brought me to look all this stuff up last night, Ennis Cantor, the player that committed to UK, enrolled at UK, went to school at UK, drafted by the Utah Jazz, instantly said that he took over $33,000 above his normal travel and food expenses when he was playing overseas in Europe and and that's in Turkey. Uh, There's a lot of different, you know, you can make the case that the NCAA was charging that $33,000 is, you know, they they could be being a little picky on what they charged, what they included into that $33,000 charge. But, you know, even if they said $33,000 and they could, narrow that down to 10,000. It, it's no surprise that Ennis Cantor never played a game for Kentucky. It's disappointing, but it's no surprise. Anyways, let's talk, uh, well, again, more tweets that I needed to get to. I'm getting off and I'm, I'm, I'm failing to address these. Um, we had Brun DMC point out that Anthony Davis getting inflated block stats at home, and I think it, the, the whoever brought this point up had something to do with the ninth block Anthony Davis had. It was against Aaron Gordon, and Aaron Gordon's jump shot hit the front of the rim. I haven't looked at the, the gif of what happened. But this this wouldn't surprise me if Anthony Davis, and I, I think they said that Anthony Davis has 
79, 78 more career blocks at home than he does on the road. You know, players play better at home, but this doesn't surprise me. Yeah, this happens everywhere. This happens at college. This happens in the in professional leagues and, and places that keep stats in high school probably do uh, something similar. Home team's always going to have – and it happens in baseball. You see it a lot in baseball. You're, you always have home teams want their team stats to look a little bit better. I sit right by the U.K. football guys who – who officially put in the stats uh, and officially call, you know, who made the tackle and did this and that. And I've never heard them discuss to one another, hey, let's do this. Let's, I, I've never heard or discussed a conspiracy. But just hearing them call out the plays, you know, they'll say a sack or a, a tackle. And, they, you know, they might throw in a player to give him double. They might say it was a, a half sack or a half, you know, more players were in on the tackle and give out some half tackles to players that maybe to put them close to 10 tackles a game or, you know, multiple sacks. You you can always kind of catch their drift of where they're going. So that happens everywhere. Um, you know, when people want to take the time to make it look silly and, pull up the pictures and do the numbers, then it certainly can backfire. But I want to talk a little bit about Kentucky's game against Missouri, Uh, a big game, no doubt about it. Not really sure what to make out of this Missouri team. It's a team with maybe the most head-scratching win and head-scratching loss in the conference. And probably not necessarily in the country, but probably not far off either. Just get absolutely stomped by IU, and you can listen to all of IU's football games here on 1450 The Sports Buzz. Get stomped by IU. 31-27 31-27 at home. That was a game that Indiana was up 24-17 in. And then they go to Florida and win 42-13. And also, let's not, let's not completely forget about the loss to Georgia. 34-0 at home without Todd Gurley for that Georgia team. I mean, that was a really bad loss for Missouri. They're 6-2, and 3-1 and one in the conference. That's the only conference game they've lost. They won at South Carolina. So they've, it, they're a very tough team to figure out, and that makes this game this weekend even harder to figure out. They're not a great rushing team, and, and you've seen, and this is going to tell us something about UK's pass defense, or rush defense, rather. Kentucky's gotten against some really good running backs. Some really good running backs. But they've made those really good running backs look like Heisman running backs. Missouri doesn't have that. So if Missouri has a big game on the ground, then I think it's safe to say, for those that are still questioning, I think it's safe to say that Kentucky's rush defense isn't good if Missouri has a big game. Uh, Isn't just good, but flat out bad. 
Missouri also, you know, they're they're not a, a, a great offensive team. Matty Mock has not had the year that I think a lot of Missouri fans had hoped. Now I think the answer for Kentucky is to try to get to him. This Missouri offensive line isn't, you know, isn't bad, but also I don't think it's as great as some of the offensive lines that Kentucky has seen. So I think Kentucky's going to be able to get to him, and even if it doesn't relate in a, a lot of sacks, I think it should come to a, result in a lot of hurries, a lot of thro- you know, rush throws. So uh, it. it I think that's I think that's how Kentucky's going to have to beat them is get to get to mock and don't allow Missouri to rush for for a ton of yards. And I don't think that should be a problem. I really don't. Kentucky do against Missouri. Now you saw Georgia rush a ton against Missouri. Nick Chubb rushed 38 times for 143 yards. That's not a great average. It's not a bad average, but it's not your unbelievable, you know, nine yards per game that, you know, Mississippi State players had against Kentucky last week. So, you know, ideally you'd like to see Kentucky's running backs get more carries. Maybe Stanley Boom Williams has something to say about that. Or maybe it's Patrick Tolles, but I think Kentucky's going to be able to rush the ball against Missouri, and if they're not, then they're going to be in trouble because most teams have been able to rush on Missouri. So you got to be able to establish a run game. And if they can do that, I think they're going to be able to pull out an upset. We're going to head to our last commercial break here on 1450 The Sports Buzz. I'll come back and give my PT picks of the week. So you're going to want to stick around. To the Sports Talker with T.J. Walker. We're back. One final segment here on 1450 The Sports Buzz. Let's waste no time and get into the PTs. Sports Talker with T.J. Walker. Picks of the week. Mention 1450 The Sports Buzz at the door. Get in free. This was tough. These were tough picks this week. I don't like doing it on Wednesdays. So if I have a bad week, I'm blaming it on that. I, but I won't have a bad week. It's just it's it's you know twenty three fifteen on the year could be better, but obviously could be a lot worse. When you're making your picks on your college football pick em or or wherever you're using these picks, a lot of it comes to a gut feel. You got to have the initial gut feel that it's going to work, and then you do your research. You don't do research first because research can be misleading and and gut feels can be misleading as well. 
But this this one might have not this week might have not had the as many jumping out to me as they normally do. But I still feel like we've got a, a good batch here. Penn State giving four at home versus Maryland. Penn State with a heartbreaking loss to Ohio State last week. Uh, James Franklin can coach. He's as good as a coach as anybody out there. And, and Maryland's not a great team. They'll, they'll win this game by touchdown or more. I, I, this, was a, this was a hard one to pick. This was a risky one. I like Auburn giving or getting two points versus Ole Miss. And that might, line might move before Saturday. And, and my guess would be that it would move. You could get better odds if you're going to take Auburn. It might get up to two and a half or three. But I like Auburn to win that game. You might as well take the points, the two points instead of going the money line. But I like Auburn to win again. I, I just, I've you know I haven't been on Ole Miss all year, but I, but I do think Auburn wins. I'm gonna go with Vandy, picking Vandy, worst team in the SEC. They're seven and a half point favorites against Old Dominion. Old Dominion just had a uh, a rough outing last week against Western Kentucky. Uh, there's no that, that's probably the the nicest way to put it. That had a, a basketball score to it, as Western Kentucky ended up hanging 66 points on Old Dominion. 66. Old Dominion was able to score 51. They won't be able to score 51 against Vandy. Vandy certainly won't be able to score 66. Uh, but I do think Vandy wins this game by double digits. Big win for Vanderbilt. Arizona. Getting you know, you'd like to have Devin against there. I'm just I haven't been sold on UCLA all season. Uh maybe that's maybe that's the game. UCLA kind of breaks out and, and shows the country what they're all about, why they were ranked so high in the preseason. Um should be a good atmosphere for that game. But I, I do just feel, I, I get the sense that Arizona is just the better team. And it's not like UCLA has been unbeatable at home. So taking Arizona there. My last pick, I like Florida to cover 13 versus Georgia. Again, this Georgia, this Florida team is struggling. It hasn't been a good year. Um, there's plenty to to dislike. Will Muschamp's not going to be there next. About this game, this rivalry game against Georgia in Jacksonville. He's never won it as a coach. Uh, never won it as a player. This is likely going to be his last go around in this rivalry game. It was sad just hearing him say that how badly he wanted to win this game. I don't think they're going to win, but I also don't think they're going to get blown out. So, like Florida to to cover that spread. And there you go. PT picks of the week. Penn State giving four, Auburn receiving two, Vanderbilt giving seven and a half, Arizona receiving six and a half, Florida receiving 13. So, a little underdog heavy there. 
we'll have to see how we do. Yates, what do you what do you think of them? Uh, the only real problem I have is you referring to Vanderbilt's win over Old Dominion as a big win. It is a well, it but is. I guess a big if you're Vanderbilt, Vanderbilt, any win's a big win. Exactly. With the year they're having, that'd be a huge win. You Nashville is going to be the place to be this weekend after they beat Old Dominion. That's going to mean Vanderbilt's wins on the year because they're not going to win another one. Let's make that clear. Their wins on the year are UMass by three, Charleston Southern by one, and Old Dominion. It, the more I read that, the more I get worried about picking Vandy to cover seven and a half points because their two wins against UMass and Charleston Southern were by a combined four points. Um, I'm just going to guess that they have it figured out. They played Missouri pretty tough last weekend. Old Dominion just got 66 points hung up on them. I feel good about it. I don't need to be convinced. I don't need to convince myself. Those are going to be those are my picks. Anything less than 26 and 17 after this week would make me disappointed. But I think it. I I think it's at least a four and one week in there. We'll see. I, I, this, the Louisville spread is crazy. I, I thought about picking that, but it just keeps going lower and lower. Right now it's at four and a half. And if I had to guess that, I think Louisville covers too. I'm with Clay B116. It's just there's too much of a buildup, too much, too many distractions for Florida State. Something has to give. Now the big question is, will Louisville be able to score at home? That makes it obviously easier. But just not a very good offense from Louisville. So I, I think that game is going to be uh, relatively low scoring for the most part on Thursday night. So, Yates, are you going to wear a costume on Thursday night or no? Uh, no, I will not wear a costume. Why not? I thought I thought you liked Halloween. Halloween's okay. I'm not. I'm not a huge costume guy. I especially wouldn't. No, I, wear, I especially wouldn't wear a costume to a football game. That would just. I feel like it would be too uncomfortable. <laughs> I, I got I got my costume for Halloween yesterday. It's it's a good one. I think it's gonna. I think a lot of people are gonna enjoy it. It's pretty funny. Over under for Louisville, Florida State, fifty one. I would take the under. I think the final score of that game might be. 24-17 or somewhere along those lines in the 20s. I don't think the winner is going to be in the 30s. Now, of course, it may, you know, maybe it goes to overtime or something like that, but we'll have to see. I, I know a lot of people that are going to be wearing costumes on, on Thursday, eight. so I hope, you don't look, I, hope you, I hope you don't feel left out when you're down there. Uh, well, if you plan to wear costumes, more power to you. I'm fairly confident that I will not be minority without a costume on give me your prediction for kansas city san francisco tonight uh kansas city wins six to four all right i i think san francisco wins or at least that's my hope uh, we'll have to see I, I i don't know why i'm rooting against the cinderella story to close it out i, I don't know why um but hoping the giants are able to to win it um it'd be awesome if bum was able to come in and save the day We'll have to see. Uh, we'll be able to talk about that tomorrow. Um, some NBA games on tonight. Plenty to watch. And then, of course, tomorrow's the big day here in Louisville. And, I, and, and it's you know it's important for Kentucky, too. Again, there is a chance that Louisville and Kentucky could be ranked when they meet in football. And that would be crazy. There will, I mean, it would be wild. 
So we'll see. But uh, thanks for listening. We'll be back tomorrow here on 1450 The Sports Buzz. We'll see you then. They say welcome to the 502 Take the Georgia boy and show him how Kentucky do Uncle Priest Classics, Pink Kentucky Blue They say don't forget 270, we hitting two Song Collie Blue